Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It might have sounded like there was some cursing at the Supreme Court today. We'll find out. The court was hearing a case over the name of a fashion brand the federal government refused to trademark, calling it scandalous and immoral. It's a four-letter word that rhymes with duct. The designer says the government is violating his First Amendment rights. Joining me is Greg Starr, Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter who was at the arguments. I have to ask you, Greg, did anyone have to cover their ears during the oral arguments? Nobody had to cover their ears, June. Uh, the Justice have done this sort of thing before. They're pretty good at, and the lawyers as well, at uh, letting everybody know what they're talking about without actually saying the word. They didn't even phonetically say the uh, name of the trademark at issue here, which is spelled F-U-C-T. They just all assumed they knew what they were talking about. All right. Well, recent Supreme Court case law suggests that the designer, Eric Brunetti, is favored to win. Did the justices' questions indicate which way they were leaning? It was a lot closer than I might have guessed going in. You're right. A couple years ago, the court heard a case very similar to this involving disparaging trademarks. That was a case involving a, a rock band known as the Slants. And you might have thought going in that that these limits on vulgar and lewd trademarks would suffer the the same fate. But a number of justices seemed like they wanted to leave some room for the government not to have to give its effectively endorsement to a handful of words that we all know and that most people think are highly offensive. So explain the core of the arguments by the designer and the government. The core of the argument, there's several levels to it. Probably the level on which Mr. Brunetti has the best chance to win is that this provision is so vague, it can't be applied consistently. So in the briefs, there are a lot of examples of similar uses of the F word in various forms, for example, spelled F-C-U-K, where the Patent and Trademark Office has allowed federal registration of that trademark. And the argument is, and it got some headway, made some headway with some of the justices like Neil Gorsuch and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that wherever you draw the line for this sort of stuff, it's, it's going to be somewhat arbitrary and it's going to depend on an individual trademark examiner's uh, subjective sense of what is too offensive. So since you mentioned Justice Neil Gorsuch and Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the same sentence, I'll ask you, did it seem then as if the justices were not divided down partisan lines? It, it did not feel like that usual ideological divide that we see a lot. No, in fact, those are the two justices, Ginsburg and Gorsuch, who, based on their questions, seem most likely to strike down the ban. Gorsuch, as I said, was really hitting on that consistency issue. Justice Brett Kavanaugh asked about that as well. And Justice Ginsburg asked a couple questions about whether this term was really as offensive as everybody thought it was. And she talked about Mr. Brunetti's clothing line is, is what he calls street fashion. And she suggested that in the niche market that might be buying his clothing, this word was not all that offensive. That's why they call her the notorious. Notorious RBG. <laughs> so what struck me before the arguments, as strange, was the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit ruled in the designer's favor, and they cited the Supreme Court's decision that you talked about in the Slants case, striking down the disparaging provision. So I was wondering why the court took this case up, unless they're going to change something. 
Well, the court, as a general matter, does not like to have a, a federal appeals court have the last word striking down a statute or a statutory provision. That is something the Supreme Court will almost always agree to do itself. So it was entirely possible the court before today, it seemed like the court maybe just took this case because it just wanted to affirm what, what the lower court had done and said, you know, hey, this is just like the disparaging trademarks. But a, as we discussed, as the argument went on, it became clear that at least some of the justices weren't convinced or didn't seem like they were convinced that the lower court got it right. So what kind of standard could they suggest here? That's going to be the challenge. Now, uh, Justice Breyer tried to to create a line that could be drawn. He seems to be somebody who might ultimately vote to to uphold this statute. But but what he was suggesting was that there are some words. He said six or seven that have a unique ability to create a physiological response in people that you know, lodge in a different part of their brain, that people remember the words and the reaction when they heard or saw the word. And yes, he suggested that, it was suggested that maybe there's some sort of line that could be drawn around the, the handful of words. And Chief Justice John Roberts suggested he was on that side too, and, and he was being driven in part by this notion that if the court were to strike down the statute, it's not clear that the trademark office would be able to prohibit any federal registration of trademarks, even for things that are obscene, which is the kind of, which is something that is so extreme that the Supreme Court has said in other contexts doesn't deserve any speech protections at all. So there were some concerns that the federal government would be unable to police any sort of uh, offensive trademarks. Did they agree on what those six or seven words were? They didn't say them out loud, but here's one thing that was really interesting to me, June, is that, you know, the earlier case was about disparaging trademarks, and as I said, that was a a rock band known as the Slants. Now, they're an Asian-American band, and they said that the name of their band was being used ironically. We, I think, had all thought that that included things like racial slurs, that that was the kind of thing that the court considered to be viewpoint discrimination, and you couldn't discriminate on the basis of viewpoint. But the government lawyer, Malcolm Stewart, said that there was one word in particular, didn't say what it was, but we can imagine what it is, an especially bad racial slur that the government, the trademark office, is basically waiting on, that they really don't want to approve applications that use that that one particular word, and he is suggesting that that one word might be more like uh, vulgar expressions rather than something that is purely disparaging trademark and therefore viewpoint discrimination. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.